Matthew 6, 5 to 8. Everyone say it together. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they had their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. You may be seated. More than ever, it's refreshing to be gathered here in church this morning. I find that the situation in the world around us becomes quite wearisome. We get tired of seeing the same thing in the news day after day, and yet somehow we keep looking at the news, and it gets wearisome. Quite a few years ago, I came home from work one day, this was back in the days before cell phones and instant news and messaging, and I walked in the door and my mother said to me, do you want to hear some bad news? Now how do you answer a question like that? It doesn't seem like it has a good answer. You don't say, sure, I'd just love to hear some bad news. And yet she caught your curiosity and you don't say, no, I don't want to hear what you have to say. So. How do you answer the question? That's a little bit how our world situation is. We know the news is bad, and yet we look at it anyway. The news also becomes wearisome because I find there's so much that I hear that is not even true. The dishonesty that we hear from certain people in the news becomes wearisome. But I say it's refreshing to be gathered here, and one reason is because we have some news that is good news, and it's 100% true 100% of the time, and I find that refreshing. The last couple of weeks, last number of days have been, we had some pretty hot, humid weather, and if you've spent the day working in that humidity, you know how good it feels at the end of the day to get cleaned up. You just feel refreshed, it makes you feel like a new person. And my desire is that that's what God's word will do to us this morning, that we can allow it to refresh us, to cleanse us. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 that Christ gave himself for the church that he might cleanse it with the washing of water by his word. So may we allow God's word to just flow over us this morning and refresh us and cleanse us and help us to feel uh, like a new person. The last message I preached here was from the first four verses of Matthew chapter 6, and the title was, When Thou Doest Alms. This morning, we're looking at the next set of four verses, and the title is, When Thou Prayest. Now, verse 5 tells us how we should not pray. We should not pray in order to be seen of men. 
I covered this verse uh, several, several weeks ago, a number of weeks ago, in a sermon where we emphasized that we should live for the approval of God rather than for the approval of men, and we looked at uh, kind of an overview of this section. So our emphasis this morning will be in verses 6 to 8 on how we should pray, not on how we should not pray, but on how we should pray. And as we consider these verses, I have four things about prayer that I would like you to remember, to see if you can remember these four things. In this passage, Jesus has a lot to say about prayer in a, in a rather condensed form, and there's a lot for us to learn about prayer, but hopefully we can remember at least these four things. So the first thing for us to remember is that our prayer time should be intentional. Our prayer time should be intentional. Jesus says, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. So when you enter into your prayer closet, that is a deliberate move with no other objective except to pray. It's intentional. There have been periods in my life when my job that I was working would provide for some lengthy times on the road. Times alone on the road. And I've had some very meaningful times in prayer when I was alone with God on the road. I can still tell you where I was driving on the day that nominations were to be given here in the evening for an ordination before I was ordained. I had a lot of conversation with God on the road that day. That kind of prayer is good. That's part of praying without ceasing. As we go about our activities, we're praying. And it's good to be in an attitude of prayer wherever we are and whatever we're doing. But there is a temptation that goes along with that. Sometimes when I know that I'm going to have a lot of time alone during the day as I'm working, I'm tempted to neglect my prayer time in the morning. Because I think, well, why not? I'll have lots of time to pray today. But what we see here is intentional prayer. And I think it's important that we still focus on that intentional prayer. Because time with God throughout the day does not replace that deliberate, intentional, focused time alone with him. Suppose that Martha would tell me someday that, you know, she has some things she'd like to talk about. She wonders if, if we could just take some time to talk. And I would say, well, I'm kind of busy right now, but I'm going to be spending a lot of time on the road today. After I go to work, give me a call and we'll talk. She would have reason to feel disappointed in that response. So going into the closet is a deliberate move. It's not something that's done on the run. I appreciated um, Elmer's topic on love, our first love, losing our love, and I think it, it's pretty parallel with what we're looking at here because prayer is a relationship with God. And he referred to marriage, and I, I may be using that analogy several times myself in the sermon this morning. And I, I believe that those among us here who are not married will recognize that I'm not in any way excluding you, and I believe that you will be able to understand the illustrations quite well also. So the first thing for us to remember is that our prayer time should be intentional. The question that goes along with that is how can we make and keep our prayer time intentional? Well, we need to schedule 
time. Spend scheduled time together. So those of you who are married, you may have been given some advice on your wedding day or sometime close to your wedding day. Perhaps someone told you, don't stop having dates after your wedding. That's good advice because maintaining a relationship takes time. And it doesn't happen by default. And sometimes we need to just simply schedule time to be alone together, to talk and to be together. Because if we don't schedule it, we know it doesn't happen. And our relationship with God is the same way. If you do not schedule it, it doesn't just happen on its own. You must schedule it and you must protect it. Now, if I'm trying to fit something into my schedule, an appointment into my schedule, and I'm looking at my schedule... And maybe on this given day, I have something else planned. If it's something that's not very important to me, I might be willing to push that off and, or cancel it. But sometimes there's things in my schedule that are very important to me, and they're pretty inflexible. And if you want to schedule something, I might say, well, this day is out. It simply does not work. How about your prayer time? How flexible is your prayer time. Are you willing to just bump it off for anything else that turns up? Does it get shoved all around? Or do you protect it? We need to schedule this time and we need to protect it. Men, if you have a date scheduled with your wife, but you continually reschedule this date because of work, because of sports, because you want to socialize with other people, or simply because you want to sit and read the news. How do you think your wife would feel? Well, pretty soon she would feel like she's not very important to you, and she would have reason to feel that way. So how does God feel if our dates with him, our time with him, continually gets bumped off because of other events? He gets an obvious message. Our time with God needs to be scheduled, and it needs to be protected. So I encourage you to spend daily time with God. Have a time each day where you're going to spend time with him. But I also encourage you sometimes to spend, to schedule extended time with God. Perhaps you can take a half a day once a month, or perhaps a weekend or a week where you just go someplace alone with God and spend focused time with him, reading the Bible, praying. Maybe there's some other devotional books or other meditational books that you want to, you've been wanting to read. Spend some time meditating on God's will for your life. These times can be extremely profitable. I can point back to times in my life where I just took time to be alone, and, and those were, were real milestones in my, my walk and development with God. So schedule time with God and protect that schedule. So how do I keep my time intentional? First of all, you need to spend scheduled time together. You also need to spend organized time together. Now, there's a lot to be said for spontaneous prayer. Spontaneous prayer is good, and it is wonderful in its time and place. But not all prayer should be spontaneous. Sometimes intentional prayer needs to be organized. I've participated in a lot of meetings, 
over the years. And those meetings have, have varied quite a bit. There's meetings that I've gone to where the chairman was very well organized, very prepared. There was an agenda laid out. We knew what we were going to discuss, and we discussed it. There were other meetings where there seemed to be no preparation, no organization at all. And I don't need to tell you which was more efficient and effective. I believe there's also a place for organized prayer. I said there's a time for spontaneous prayer, but there's a time for organized prayer. And what I'm talking about is called an agenda, if you will, called a prayer list, where you have a list of specific things that you want to pray for, a list of things that you don't want to forget to pray for. Now, I don't know how you feel about praying from a prayer list. Sometimes I've found it can be overwhelming because our prayer list can be longer than the time that we have scheduled to pray. There's almost no end of things that you can pray for. Sometimes it seems there's no end of people that say, well, pray for this, pray for that, pray for me, pray for this person, whatever. So how can you organize your prayer time? I'm going to present to you one suggestion. You might find it helpful. If so, fine. Perhaps this does not work for you. There may be something else that works better, and that's fine as well. But this is something that, that I've done, and I don't recommend using this day after day, year after year, non-ending. I, I think there's good to have some variety. But I have developed a, a prayer, rather than a prayer list, kind of a prayer chart, where I have different prayer requests for each day of the week. And I've chosen to do it for six days of the week to just simply allow some additional flexibility on the seventh day. Uh, here again, if you would choose to do this, you can do it as you, as you like. So on this prayer chart, on the left-hand column, I have, a different, have a different categories in each section there. And then for each day of the week, I pray for one subject in that category. For example, the first day of the week, the category may be my family. Works out very well for me with my wife and five children. I have six categories here, or six for six days of the week. Now, obviously, there's things in this prayer list that I will pray for every day of the week. But then there may be one day of the week where I spend more time praying for them more specifically. So some more categories, and this is just a suggestion. If, if uh, you would develop something like this, I'm sure it would look very different. You could choose to pray for one pastor each day of the week. Your VS and missionary workers, uh, you can put multiple ones for each day of the week, and we have people in our church in VS today that I did not include here. This is just to give you an idea. Uh, but just for example there, Caitlin has just recently returned from Hillcrest. Don't stop praying for her. The return can be much more difficult than leaving. The adjustment can take longer. Ryan is planning to leave. So let's remember him in that. And you can fill in different mission organizations or whatever. Church needs. And again, you might take any one of these subjects or any one of these requests and make a whole category out of them and list people for each day of the week. This is just to give you an idea. Widows, the sick and elderly, the committees in our church, the trustees. When's the last time you prayed for the trustees in our church? Do you recognize that they have responsibility? Do you pray for them in that 
Sunday school, uh, summer Bible school we've just had, clubs, our youth instruction class when that time comes, the young marrieds, the young families, very urgent requests. Do we remember to pray for them? And this is just something that helps you to remember to pray for them in turn. And I put in other things there too. I don't need to go over them all. Government, we can pray for a president, the Supreme Court, uh, the decisions they make, state officials, local officials, Congress, elections coming up, and there's, there's all kinds of things there that, uh, that we could pray for. I'm offering this as a suggestion. If you find praying from a prayer list cumbersome, maybe kind of breaking it down into days of the week um, may be helpful to you. This is just to plan an idea in your mind. Uh, and I'm sure if you would do this, it would be arranged much differently than this. Uh, one advantage I find in this, as we think of organized prayer time, if I don't pray from a prayer list, I find that my prayers tend to become pretty self-centered because I pray for things that I'm thinking about, things that I'm facing, things that I'm doing, and pretty soon I find that I'm forgetting to pray for other people, where this can keep my focus on other people. There's other ways of doing prayer lists as well. And I would recommend, again, keep it flexible. Use one uh, pattern for a while, change it, and do something else. So, I said there's four things I want us to remember this morning. The first thing is that our prayer time should be, what is it? Intentional. Let's move on. Our prayer time should also be intimate. Jesus says in verse 6, When thou prayest, enter into thy closet. That's the intentional part. Now we get to the intimate part. When thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. When you have blocked out everyone else, then you pray to your Father. This prayer is not to impress people. It's not to sound eloquent. This is a prayer that's between you and God alone. So as you think of your prayer time, maybe you feel that it's anything but intimate. Perhaps your prayer time tends to get routine or monotonous, meaningless. Maybe it feels dry and formal. Perhaps it feels impersonal. So the question is, how can we make and keep our prayer time intimate? Well, I have a number of suggestions for that. One of them is spend more time together. And Elmer emphasized that in uh, his topic. You need to spend time together. Now, for those of you who are married, you probably did not have an intimate conversation with your spouse the first time you met. It may have been just the opposite. Perhaps you hardly talked at all. If you did talk, perhaps it was kind of awkward, uh, depending on, on your situation. And that may be true at certain stages of your prayer life as well, where it just feels a little bit uh, forced. But as you spent more time together, your conversations began to come more naturally and more free. And you began to um, grow more intimate in your conversation. And if you long with more intimacy with God, this may be a first step. You may need to learn to know him better. Spend more time with him, just opening up your heart, telling him your feelings, sharing your life with him, 
telling him what you're facing, your desires, and your questions. So if you want to make your prayer time more intimate, you may need to spend more time together. And also, you may need to spend shared time together. Now, what I mean here by shared time is do not monopolize the time by just talking about yourself all the time. How intimate do you suppose my conversations with Martha would be if every time we're together, I would insist on only talking about myself, my activities, my desires, my intentions, my plans. We'd never talk about what's on her heart or what's important to her. Certainly not a recipe for intimacy. Neither is it in our prayer time with God. So what do your prayers sound like? Is this how your prayers sound? Lord, help me as I go through this day. Guide me in the decisions that I make. Bless my work and my efforts. Keep me safe as I travel. Travel. Protect me from sickness and from accidents. Or does it sound like this? Lord, today I commit myself to you. This day is yours, and I want to use it for your glory. Show me what you want to do today. And may I respond to every situation as you would have me to. I recognize that every event that comes my way today is an opportunity for me to focus on you and to share you, point people around me to you. You see how the one is focusing on me, but the other is more of a shared focus. God and me together. So I think our prayer time needs to be more of a conversation, more of a dialogue sometimes than simply a monologue. There should be two-way interaction. I think prayer times involve both speaking and listening, asking God, what do you have to say to me today? Maybe you can pray, well, God, what do you want me to pray about today? Make it a shared time and take time as you pray to listen to God, to speak to you. Spend creative time together. If your prayer time becomes routine, try something different. Use some variety. One thing that I find is helpful sometimes is to simply go for a walk as I spend time in prayer. And carry on a conversation with God as I walk. Generally, I prefer a quiet location, more of a nature or natural setting. But this also works where there are people. Um, as you walk, pray for the people you meet. As you drive down the road and you pass the house of someone you know, pray for the people in that house. Keep your prayer spontaneous as well. It's not all organized. It can be spontaneous. You see something beautiful, a beautiful flower uh, in the fall, a colorful tree. Do you recognize that as from God? Thank God for it. Be creative in your prayers. I find that it also helps to be intimate with God, to spend focused time together. I think we all know what it's like to struggle maintaining our focus while we're praying. Our mind tends to wander, and we think about all kinds of things, or sometimes we're barely thinking at all. So how do we spend focus time in prayer? Now, I know that 
some people dislike writing. Some people have a high dislike for writing. It may not be for everyone. But I have found that there were times in my life that it was very beneficial to simply write out a prayer to God. David did a lot of that. And other people, as you read the Psalms, basically they are prayers written out to God. Prayers of praise, prayers of supplication, prayers for mercy, prayers for forgiveness. They're prayers that are written out. How many Psalms have you written recently? How many prayers have you written out? Prayers of praise or simply prayers of begging God to show you the way? I find that writing a prayer really helps to keep me focused when my mind tends to wonder. And sometimes when I don't even know what I'm thinking, it helps me to clarify my thoughts. As I begin to write, my, my thoughts begin to come into focus. And these have been uh, doing, or this exercise has been especially helpful in a situation that, that feels overwhelming when I simply don't know where to go with this. Just start to express my feelings. And as I do that, generally a sense of direction begins to develop. And I may begin feeling uptight and end with a feeling of peace. Some of those letters reflect some of my most focused moments that I've had with God. How do I keep my prayer time intimate? I think we also need to spend worshipful time together. You husbands and wives, how intimate would your conversations be if the only words you ever spoke to your spouse were words of request? Honey, will you mend these pants for me? Uh, I'm going to be a little bit late this evening. Can you have supper a half an hour later? Or I have an early meeting. Can we have supper in half an hour earlier? I need you to buy some more socks for me. And that was all your conversation consisted of. Obviously, it's not an intimate conversation. Your conversations need to contain words of appreciation, thanks, adoration. So how do your prayers sound? Do your prayers contain these words of thanks and praise to God? Do you worship God for who he is? Or do you simply come to him with your request. Do you ever sing during your prayer time? If not, I suggest you try it. Now, you don't have to sing out loud. You can just sing in your mind, but it certainly doesn't hurt to sing out loud. Songs like, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Or here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you are my God. Or near my God to thee, near to thee. Our prayer time should be worshipful. So, two things to remember. Our prayer time should be intentional. Our prayer time should be intimate. Let's move on to the next one. In this passage, in Matthew 6, we've observed a number of things. We've observed that we are not to be as the hypocrites who pray to be seen of men. We observe that when we pray, we should enter into our closet for intentional prayer. We've observed that we should pray to our Father, which is in secret, for intimate prayer. Now, this all makes prayer seem like a pretty private affair. What about public prayer? 
Is Jesus teaching us that prayer should be strictly a private matter? Should not be done in public? There's no place for public prayer? There are some people who are not comfortable with praying in public. Is that how we should all feel? There are a couple of things that I would like you to notice in this passage. I'd, I'd like you to focus with me here for a little bit to try to follow this train of thought. Verse 5 tells us we should not be as a hypocrite who love to pray so that they can be seen of men. I think we understand that. Verse 6 starts out with the word, but, indicating there's a contrast. We are not to be like the hypocrites, but pray to our Father in secret. We understand that, I believe. Now, verse 7, again, starts out with the word, but, indicating yet another contrast. What is the contrast in verse 7? What is the difference between verses 6 and 7? I think there's a very significant difference, but also a difference that is very easy for us to miss. Notice that verses 5 and 6 use the personal pronouns thou and thy. These are singular pronouns. They are translated from a Greek pronoun that is singular. Verses 7 and 8 use the personal pronoun ye. And ye is a plural pronoun. That is the difference between thee and thou and ye and you in the King James Version. Ye is a plural pronoun. And in this case, it is translated from a Greek pronoun that is plural. I think this is another beauty of the King James Version that can be easily lost in more general language. Now, notice these pronouns as I reread um, some of these verses. Verse 6, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that this should be heard for much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your heavenly Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. I believe that verses 5 and 6 refer specifically to our personal, private prayer life, which is not to be done to be seen of men. But now in verses 7 and 8, Jesus is switching subjects a little bit or expanding the subject to include our public prayers. And Jesus is acknowledging that, yes, there is a place for praying in public. And when you do that, there are things that apply to that as well. So the third thing for us to remember this morning is that our prayer time should also be interactive. And in this point, I'm referring more specifically to public prayer. I believe there is a case, a time for public prayer, as well as a time for private prayer. And I believe Jesus was recognizing that here. So how can we make and keep our public prayer or our prayer time interactive in a beneficial and positive way? Well, first of all, I believe that public prayer 
is a reflection of our private prayer time. I don't think that we will be any more meaningful in our public prayers than what we are in our private prayers. And that may be why one reason why some people tend to shy away from public praying because they have not developed that meaningful private prayer life. And if you don't know how to express your God, your express yourself to God in private, it certainly will not be easy to do it in public. So prayer life, public prayer is a reflection in a sense to our private prayer time. Public prayer is leading in prayer. I think you've all heard the expression, this person, whoever it is, will now lead us in prayer. Or you ask someone, will you please lead us in prayer? Now, if no one is following, are you leading? You see, public prayer is leading in prayer. And I think that we could perhaps improve, and I'm speaking for myself, we can improve, I can improve in keeping my mind focused on the prayer during times of public prayer. Where, where is our mind during public prayer? Is it zoned out? I think public prayer needs to be interact, interactive. Pray along with a person who is leading in prayer. We should all be praying in our spirits during this time. I think it's appropriate to hear a murmuring of amens and agreement, giving your assent during times of public prayer. It should be a corporate exercise. Along with that, public prayer is united prayer. Now, for those of you that were here at Winter Bible School when Nate Kaufman was, was speaking from the book of Acts, in the one evening, he, he addressed prayer pretty directly. I appreciated a lot of the things he had to say. I think it was the fourth evening he was there. And if you missed that, or if you don't remember it, I encourage you to listen again to what he had to say. Like I said, I think it was the fourth evening. You can find it on the website. He suggested that we should have more time in our services for public, corporate prayer. And he suggested, what if every church service would begin with five minutes of prayer, prayer together? What effect would it have on our services? What effect would it have on us? Now, I know that there are people that there are those among you who do that, who do spend time in prayer. I know that there are some of you who faithfully, every Sunday morning, you're here sometimes a half an hour before the church service starts, already sitting in the pew. Some of you may be sitting in your car in the parking lot. That's, that's great. That's wonderful. What if everyone would be here and seated by 8.55 so that you could spend some time in prayer? A couple years ago, the treasurer, who normally counts people as they come into the service, did a little bit of a calculation. And I forget the exact numbers, but he observed that a far majority of the attendees in our service walk into church in the very last minutes before 9 o'clock. What if you would consider yourself late if you arrive in your pew after 8.55 or earlier, if you please? Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Let us make it a house of prayer. Some churches have a midweek prayer service where people gather, share requests together, pray together, pray for needs and individuals. Now, most of us here would not want to give up our small groups, our Bible study groups as we call them. 
But even in those, how much do we focus on prayer? Or is it more of a social time? We have Bible study. Is prayer kind of an afterthought, tagged on the end? Do we spend time? There is power in united prayer. And I think we would do well to give it a higher priority. So, three things to remember. How well remembering? First of all, our prayer time should be intentional. Secondly, it should be intimate. Thirdly, it, can, it should be interactive. So I guess if you can't remember, you can at least read. But let's try to remember them as well. Moving on. Our prayer time should be intense. Not just something casual. It should be intense. Jesus said here in verse 7, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions. Just a, a mindless thing that you repeat without even thinking about it. I think his, intent, or his thought here is that prayer should not be a thoughtless, mindless exercise. But it needs to be focused. It should be concentrated. And we should be intense about what we are praying. You see, prayer is warfare. Prayer is not something that just happens. Prayer is warfare. Someone has said, and I've used this quote before, that all real victory in service is won beforehand by prayer. Service is simply gathering the results. So those who are working in New York City or Philadelphia or Hillcrest Home or Haiti or Canada or wherever it may be, they are just simply out there gathering the results of our prayers according to that. Are we letting them down? Someone has said, if you beat the devil in your prayer life, you will be able to beat the devil in every other aspect of your life. But if the devil beats you in your prayer life, he will beat you in every other aspect of your life as well. Something else that I've heard someone say, no preacher or missionary will survive long without the prayer warriors. Now, I know there are people here who pray. I know there are people who pray for us, and I appreciate that. On Wednesday mornings, there's a group of men who pray here, and typically during that time, they will ask, who is going to be preaching on Sunday? And they will specifically pray for that person. There are others who have told me that you're praying for me. And a few have told me, specifically how they pray. And that was a, a special blessing. So how much do we realize that the effectiveness of our ministers, our VS workers, our ministries depends on us? Are we failing them or are we faithful? I listened to a recorded message this week. And in that message, the, the preacher gave an account that he said had happened just a, a short time before that. He said, in this particular church in America, there was a young family who had responded to the call to mission work. And just before this family was to leave, this man, this brother, they attended a prayer meeting, and this man stood up in the church, and he told the church, he said, we, our family, are going, but you must pray. He said, we will not survive without your prayers. We will be destroyed without your prayers. You are staying and praying, 
And we are going depending on you. Time went on. And I don't understand exactly the setting here. The church may not have had a lot of contact with her when they were gone. But two years later, this man returned to his home community. He walked into a prayer meeting. He sat in the back of the prayer meeting one evening. At the end of the meeting, the people were quite surprised to see this man stagger to the front of the church. He stood there. He said, brothers, sisters, I am dying. He said, in the last two years, my wife died, and my children died, and I am dying. I asked God to allow me to return and join this prayer meeting one more time. I sat here the entire meeting. You did not know I was here. I waited to hear just one person pray. And remember us in prayer. Just one person, but not one person prayed for us. You failed. We went, but you forgot to pray. And that is why we were destroyed. It's quite a message he had for the church. Are you willing to support your fellow members in prayer? Prayer is intense. Prayer is warfare. And if we give up the weapon of prayer, we are surrendering to the enemy. Are you surrendering or are you holding strong? Are you willing to be like Aaron and her who supported the arms of Moses? You may not be called to fill the office of a minister and stand in front of the church and preach a sermon and lead out and provide spiritual leadership. You may not be called to move to Kenya or Belize or New York City or Turkey or some other place to preach the gospel to the lost. But do you honestly believe that God expects any less of you than he does of those who go to those places? Do you believe that God has called some to the front lines and the others he has not called at all, except to recline on their lazy boys and pursue a life of pleasure? Prayer is warfare. Samuel told the people of Israel, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. May that be my prayer as well. God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to prayer. Prayer is not a meaningless repetition of nice words. It is intense. I believe that without prayer warriors, the church of Jesus Christ will stagger and fall and fade away. I'm not sure how to conclude this sermon because there's so much more that could be said on prayer and I I feel like I've just barely even scratched the surface. Dave indicated that he's going to be preaching on spiritual disciplines, one of which is prayer, and I am looking forward to that sermon. There's so much more that could be said. And my prayer is that God would teach us as a church and as individuals to pray. Not merely teach us how to pray, but teach us to pray. I believe that without prayer, the church will die. You know, the church was born during a prayer meeting. The disciples were gathered together in the upper room praying in interactive corporate group prayer. And as they were praying, the Holy Spirit descended upon them. And the church grew out of that moment and went from there. 
The church was born at a prayer meeting. And if prayer ceases, the church is going to die. Without intentional prayer, the church will die. Without intimate prayer, the church will die. Without interactive prayer, the church will die. Without intent prayer, the church will die. If the church were to die, would you be considered a sub, uh, suspect in the case? Would I be considered a suspect? Would I be charged as guilty? May God teach us to pray. Let's kneel together. Lord, this morning we confess that we are needy people and that we have so much to learn, so much to practice in this discipline of prayer. And we confess our sin of prayerlessness and casualness in our prayer life. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us to pray. And may we recognize prayer as our, our lifeline to survival. So often we become distracted by the cares of this world. And I just pray that you would remove these distractions from our lives, these, these distractions that keep us from our, our time with you and our intimate times with you. Remove that which prevents us from growing, Lord, into what you want us to be. And may we be one with you in prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, 